Welcome to Batty to Batty, a monthly podcast by For the Breast of Us, the first breast cancer community for all women of color, where we share real-life experiences, information, and education to help you live your best life after a breast cancer diagnosis. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Welcome to Batty to Batty. Hey baddies, this is Batty Ambassador Shang Rong Lee from the DMV area. I'm a wife, mother of two boys, and I was diagnosed with breast cancer back in 2017 with stage 2B invasive ductal carcinoma at the age of 43. Are you guys ready? Let's get started. Get started. Hey baddies, I'm Delta, OG Batty Ambassador. Connecticut born and raised, divorced mama to five amazing girls. In summer of 2019, I was diagnosed with triple negative NBC straight out the gate, but I hit the ground running and I've survived and thrived with humor dark as coffee, always carrying a tune and connecting with community through conversations like these. Let's get into it together. Hey baddies, it's Tan, a baddie ambassador representing for all my flatty baddies and early thrivers. I currently reside in Georgia, but I'll always be repping the loop. In September 2020, a month after my 30th birthday, I was diagnosed with stage 2 ERPR positive, HER2 negative, invasive ductal carcinoma, and ductal carcinoma in situ. Are you guys ready to join in on this chat? Well, come on in and grab a seat. Hello, everyone. My name is Shang Rong, and I'm a breast cancer thriver, and I'm joined here with Batty Ambassadors Deltra and Tan, along with Thriver Whitney Ray. Today, we're discussing mental health during and after a breast cancer diagnosis. This is an important conversation, so let's get started. Um, Yay! Yes. <laughs> yes. <laughs> so, <laughs> I'm just excited about mental health. Yeah, I was just about to say that. Yeah, so... <laughs> I do. We need to have a good laugh, right? Yes. <laughs> it's a pretty so, serious topic. Yes. Mm-hmm. So, uh, Whitney, uh, would you like to introduce yourself? Oh, yes. Um, so... My name is Whitney Ray Hill, um, at Whitney Ray Hill, you find me everywhere, but um, I am a thriver. Um, I was diagnosed in October 2018. When I was diagnosed, I was 31 years old. Um, I was married only for two years. And yeah, I was told I had breast cancer and had to undergo a double mastectomy and seven surgeries, but I'm still here and I'm thriving and um, I'm honored to be on um, Baddies to Baddies podcast. <laughs> and we are excited to have you. Yes, thank you. Thank you. 
So we're going to open up with the first question here is, uh, what does mental health mean to you as a woman of color? And how mm. was it perceived growing up? So mm. anyone want to start the conversation? I have no problem starting too, but whoever wants to go. Yeah, I, I mean, I can start. I can actually start with how it was perceived. I'm pretty sure like a lot of women of color, I know being a, a black woman, it is frowned upon in our community. That's how it was growing up. He's like, oh, if you need to go to see a psychiatrist or a counselor or anything, they're like, oh, no, go speak to God. Like, that's how it was. Yeah. Yeah. You never actually got the okay to actually open up and be like, you know what? I need therapy. I mm. need to talk to someone because I'm going through something. And I have been one of those those children who was like, oh, I, I need somebody to talk to. And my mom was like, no. Right. No, we 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 don't need to hit, give you therapy or someone in my family would be like, no, you don't need therapy. You can just talk to someone about it. You just need to suck it up. That was just the just type of mentality that black, strong woman syndrome. Yes. Oof. And a yeah. lot of other black people as well. Yeah. Uh, feel that way. I'm not sure, like with the other women of color, like how you guys. Oh, it's in all of them. <laughs> yeah, I, I, yeah, I agree that with that. Uh, would be me. a common thread. Yeah, true. Yeah, yeah. I, I think it, within all minorities, it's a it's a common thread because you know I have friends from all over, and you know we have these conversations because, unfortunately, I have a lot of conversations with a lot of my friends pertaining to uh, mental health because being a survivor of suicide too, and so. Um, you know, I think one thing that's really unfortunate is that a lot of people suppress their feelings and mental mental emotions like anxiety, depression, all these certain things because of the community that they were raised in. It was taught to not talk about it. Yeah. You just you just go through it and you just don't complain. You know, yeah. I remember having a conversation with. Um, with an adult, <laughs> I just say with an adult, and um, that is from the baby boomer generation. Mm-hmm. And I was stated, you know, y'all are y'all's generation just emotional. Y'all just y'all just talk about y'all's feelings and stuff like this. And mind you, I'm from the black brown community, and so um, yeah, when I'm hearing this statement. It's just, it's really, it's very hurtful. It's very hurtful yeah. because what happens is people suppress their feelings because they don't, they don't, they're not in an environment to be able to communicate effectively and be heard and be seen and be loved. And it hurts so bad that they suppress. And then we go through something called breast cancer. Yeah. And we're taught mm-hmm. just, Strong woman syndrome. Tough it out. You got it. It's okay. Yes. And in reality, I'm I'm screaming inside. Yes. 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 You know, I'm to hurting. go back to what Tan what Tan mentioned about, you know, we know that the black community, it's very, you know, I think majority is, you know, holds high regard for religion. And so oh, a lot yeah. of times it's a 
No, pray through you need it. Jesus. Uh, yes, pray. You know, pray through it. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't need a therapist. You need Jesus. There's <clears throat> a lot of. You know, no, ain't nobody got time for that. Would be a depressed, depressed of dishes. <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> you know? exactly. Um, yeah, and a lot, and also a lot of. I always felt, and you guys to tell me if you feel that there was always this, you know, and I'm not even gonna call it unspoken. Sometimes it was very spoken of, you know, we don't share our business or what happens within our house or within our family. Or what happens in this house stays in the house. house. Yes, yes, it's exactly private. How it is. I and I also feel strongly yeah. that just as a whole, as I believe Whitney said, you know, that it is throughout people of color, not just black folks, but I strongly feel that's because we all are under the pressure to perform and be perfect or what some mm-hmm. might call like respectability, you know, it's yeah. Asian and it's deep, as well. It have that where it's like You can't yes. mess up. You don't right. act out. Don't act yes. out around the white yes. folks, you know? So it's like, you, you gotta know keep where it that comes from? Do you know where that comes from, Delta? Like, and I, and people gonna be here. It's rooted due to slavery. Absolutely. And, and it goes back to generational trauma. Okay. And so that was a learned behavior that has been generation to generation to generation to generation. So you're wondering why you over here having to go through therapy now because you tackling your ancestors' demons. That's true. Of mental health. And then then you have to think about like, okay, so the, the boomers their trauma and how they view things and they're like suck it up and then we're growing up dealing with all that trauma built up feelings and emotions mm-hmm. we we can't we don't know how to react to anything we don't know how to release it so then we're here we are going yeah through. we're extremely emotional yes yep. i am an emotional being and it's okay with being emotional i don't see anything wrong with it i Definitely tell my children, release your emotions, because if you do not, then that creates anger. Mm -hmm. It creates resentment. Yes, Mm -hmm. exactly. And it comes out in other ways. Mm -hmm. It's so funny that you say that. I don't know if this happened for y'all, but the day that I got diagnosed, my doctor comes in. She's already crying. And I look over at my my mother-in-law and my husband, and they're crying. And for some odd reason, guys, despite the fact that they told me that I was diagnosed with breast cancer and everybody's crying, the only thing I could think of, what's next? What's next? I did not even cry. That's how much you, like, you don't understand. I've been programmed to be this strong person, so I couldn't have these emotions. But ask me, two years later, when I'm fully done with surgeries, all this kind of stuff, I have the worst panic attack, anxiety attack, depressive episode of, oh my gosh, I had breast cancer. It was just weird. Like, why didn't you in the moment of being diagnosed be like feeling a certain type of way? I don't know. I think because again, we talk about suppression of feelings. Yeah. And and, and the other thing was I realized I better not cry because that's the sign of weakness. So for me, I definitely cried. I think I was emotional the entire time, like from really 
the ultrasound mammogram to going to get the biopsy, I could barely walk down the hall when they told me that I had to get a biopsy because I knew at that instant that I had cancer. And then when I had got the results from the biopsy, they called me in. I called my mom. And then she was like, okay, well, if that means they, if they're telling you to come in now, that means it's something serious. So I went in and she came in with tissue and I was like, oh, it's cancer. And the only thing I can think about not the box of tissues. The only thing I could think about was my children. Because me, I'm yes. a single mom. So yeah. I can think about, oh no, what's gonna happen to me if I leave? Like what's mm-hmm. gonna what's gonna happen with my children? They don't have a father and it's just me. And I don't want to leave this earth at a young age. And my children like, oh, we only met our mom for four years. Because at the time. How old were you again, Tan? I was 30. And how old were your children when you were They were four. Four. Okay. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That has to be hard. Yeah. Yeah. And I was like, I had just moved to a new city. And because I left a domestic violence situation with Mm. their father and it was definitely I was getting my life in order and then I get hit with this bomb and I was like maybe it's just me (laughs) yes and I was like maybe I'm not doing something right in my life because I've gone through so much that I don't understand it like why why it's funny you ask that question why me I don't know if y'all asked that question to yourself whenever y'all got diagnosed with breast cancer. And I remember praying and I said, why God, why me, why me? Because again, like Delta was saying, we grew up in religious background and it's always, you know, you pray about it. You got cancer, pray about it. You got this, pray about it, pray about it. And I remember asking God, I was like, in my prayer time, I said, why me, God, why me, God? And he said, why not you? Yes. (laughs) Why not you? Why not you? You And literally, y'all, two weeks before, I was in such a great mood. Y'all better watch what you ask God for because I was in such a good mood. And I was like, oh, God, help. Because I, I just being a suicidal survivor was talking to people as far as motivational speaking, being a mindset coach. And I was like, oh, God, just I want to I want to uh, elevate my platform to talk about the goodness of what you've done for me. Two weeks later, I get diagnosed with breast cancer. You better watch what you ask for. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, but look where I'm at right now for the breast of us. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, it's the club I, I, that was. Oh, go ahead. I'm okay, sorry. go ahead. I was gonna say it's the club that nobody wanted to join, but you, you, you know, you find the best people in the world yes. in the in this yes. club, right? Yes. This is, exactly. like, for, for me, we it was the favorite color. <laughs> What's that? I said, we talk about breasts before you know my favorite color. Yeah, exactly. You even show your breasts, too. Yeah, right. <laughs> we just met. You, you both have no nipples. <laughs> so, you, know, you just get straight to the point. Exactly. <laughs> like, cut, cut all the fluff. Exactly. Yes. So, Tam, um, go ahead. What's your question? Yes. Okay. So, I know we all hear this. You are super strong. Oh, yes. I that because I swear I'm like, if I hear I'm strong one more time, baby, one more time, yes. I don't want to be strong anymore. Yeah. The hands, absolutely one more time. not. Yes, <laughs> I'm like you know, go through life like everybody else and not have like these yes. crazy experiences like breast cancer. 
Wouldn't being strong wasn't our was our only option. Yeah. Amen. Yeah. yeah, I saw something recently that said that a graphic and it was like when people say you're so strong, but it's like, well, okay, my other option was to just lay down and die. So <laughs> what would you have done? <laughs> what would you have done? Yeah. And that brings me back to who was it? Um Whitney bringing up the suppressed emotions in the moment. And I think that's a very normal response because it is, you know, there is no normal response to receiving the diagnosis. If you fall on the floor sobbing, totally normal. If you right. are just numb, which was my reaction when I was oh. sitting there in front of my doctor, and she said that it had spread to my liver. Um, I was just in complete shock. Like it was a blur. I don't even remember how I left out the office that day or anything. And mm-hmm. that's also a very normal response because I think sometimes, especially I believe for early stages, you just power through. You just, it is mm-hmm. normal to have that mindset of, okay, well, what's next then? How do, what do we do? And you just get through it. And, and I hear a lot of stories where people, their breakdown doesn't come until later. Their breakdown yes. doesn't come until they've completed everything. And they're just like, what the heck did I just go through? Yes. You know, yeah. for me personally, my breakdown really came once I, once I started treatment and it really hit me like, this is, this is very real. And more recently now, I'm almost three years into my diagnosis. Um, and it really hit me and it does occasionally where it's like, this is my normal. And there are times where I think to myself, this, this is my normal. And it's like, whatever. But then there are times where his be like, this is my normal. Like, you know, however long I'm on this earth, you know, as a metastatic daddy, I'm like, this is really my normal. There's times where I'm really tired and know I absolutely don't want to be strong at all. And that's yeah. where community comes into play. And that's mm-hmm. so important, you know, leading on others in those moments because nobody wants, we don't need people all around us just telling us we're strong. Like we right. need them right. <laughs> holding us up. I know for every you know? time someone says strong for a dollar, you know how rich we yes. would be right now? We'd be <laughs> yeah. all millionaires. We yes. would. So. <laughs> yeah, we for, would. for we me, when I was would. diagnosed, I felt numb too. And, um, mm. and I, you know, when I found my lump in my left breast, I almost waited a whole year before getting it checked out because, really? yeah, I was 43 years old and, um, there's no family history of it. So I wasn't concerned. Oh, that happened and, to me too. Yeah. So, um, but then the lump got large and I was like, oh, maybe I should get it checked out. So, um, but then at that point I knew it was breast cancer, even before, oh, yeah. uh, you yeah. know, I had the mammogram done, then the ultrasound, then the biopsy. But, um, but for me, I was mentally prepared. So when it was confirmed, I was like, okay, I panicked. Mm-hmm. I had a, a anxiety attack, but I was like, okay, what do I need to do? And just plowed right through it. You know, I put my head down, did what I needed to do. And yes, as a, you know, as an early breast cancer survivor, uh, um, it just, you know, that there was a, a light at the end of the tunnel, um, you know, with treatment and then surgery. And then knowing that after that, all of that is completely done. Uh, then I'll be on hormone therapy. So I'm on tamoxifen. T- I can't even say the word now. Tamoxifen. <laughs> 
I don't like Tamoxy. I'm I'm in my fifth year of it. So when oh, I Oh wow. So yeah. I'm only on three weeks. Three I'm only weeks. on three weeks. Oh. I did all of the AIs. All yeah. the arom- aromatose inhibitors and they were terrible. Okay. <sighs> and so how are you doing on the tamoxifen? I mean it's been three weeks, but um, how, how are you feeling? I feel like I, I honestly don't know. This bone pain, it just, it won't let up. And I'm not yeah. sure if it's the bone pain, like, lingering on from letrozole, nestrozole, and eczemostane. Mm-hmm. I don't know which one it is, but, and then oh. I'm on Brazenio too. So oh I'm on a bunch of different medications because I guess I was, like, really high risk. My, um, I was estrogen and progesterone positive, HER2 negative. And I was just stage two. Was. But my yeah, estrogen, too. I believe I was, my estrogen was 90 something percent, almost um, 100%, 96%. And then my progesterone was a little bit lower. I think it was like 50. But hmm. they said that because I was diagnosed at 30 and I actually waited until I turned 30 because I would have got diagnosed at 29. Um that I was extremely high risk for it to come back. So I don't know. They love to tell you that, don't they? They do. I, do like, I feel like they say that to everybody, honestly. Yeah, you're extremely I think they just want us to take that medicine because I'm like, I'm at the point where I'm like, I think I'm gonna take my chances because and you know what that's do such a this. personal decision. I, mm-hmm. I do hear people say that they decided not to, but yeah, now hearing you, cause I'm triple negative and that is quite high risk for recurrence. Yes. Right. Say anyways, but so I'm kind of like, huh, but they're also telling people who aren't triple negative right. that they're very high risk mm-hmm. for reoccurrence. Oh, yes. they, they scare you. Mm-hmm. Yes. yes. Yeah, they That's scare you. Gotta really focus on your mental, on your mental wellness. That's why you got to focus. Ask them, oh, what, yeah. are, what, do, what do I do to keep that in check? That brings up a good question for me. How many or whose doctor mentioned your emotional and mental well-being? Not just your physical. None. No, So I was just very, I was just very, very lucky in that aspect because yes, in conversation, and I feel like I was really lucky with my team from the beginning because how I wound up getting my stage four de novo, that means right out the gate diagnosis, um, was actually that I, so I found a lump in my, in my left breast and despite I didn't feel panicked about it at all. Like it's not a huge memory in my head, like I was doing an exam and found it. I really don't even remember how I found it because I was just not concerned. But I'm still one of those people that is like hypervigilant. And so I went ahead and quickly made an appointment with my doctor. Right. And thankfully, everything just went so smooth compared to the horror stories I hear. Like I was 33 years old, so I'm young. I go to the doctor. She doesn't dismiss me. Thank you. She says, I'm not that concerned, but I'm going to get you right in for ultrasound. Got me in for ultrasound the same week. Yeah. During the ultrasound, that was the first time I got nervous because the tech looked really nervous. She was so nervous. She called in like the person who reads 
oh, <laughs> reads oh, them, wow. and he, yeah, yeah and yeah. he wow. seemed nervous, but he tried to, you know, reassure he me. Was was like, well, it could be, it could be, you know, just fibroids. Like you're young, but at that point, I was, uh, I was a nervous wreck uh, between yeah. that and like the five days until the biopsy or so. And so after the biopsy, um, the oncologist last breast surgeon who did that for me, when she let me know that it was unfortunately cancer, the next three weeks were like, they gave me the works for all, all of the scans, all of the testing. They did genetic testing. I would not have known to even ask for that. And yeah. I was kind of, I was actually a little annoyed because I was like, what is, what does that even matter now? Yeah. Like, we know I have, but they yeah. were like, you got daughters, you got a mom, you got sisters, yeah. brothers. So it, yeah. you know, it will help. And it also helps to, de- you know, determine what course of treatment I should take, right. you know, cause right. I found out I had a genetic mutation. And mm. I was at a higher risk for like ovarian cancer. So we were able to yeah. take some precautions, you know, okay. but they, they did all of the tests. They did so many scans, like a bone scan, a full body scan. And yes. that is not yeah. standard. And so You're unfortunately not? it isn't. I, and so I unfortunately what I hear, that's awesome I to hear that you did. I, didn't, I, you but didn't. I definitely I hear didn't. many people say that they did it. And then they go through traumatic um, treatments of like, you know, losing their breasts, which is not standard of care for stage four patients, but losing their breasts, doing a whole course chemo, thinking that they're done, radiation or whatever, thinking they're done. And then, you know, they come back shortly after because of symptoms that came up and they filed their stage four. And a lot of them believe they were stage four from the beginning, you know, right. but they just didn't know because they didn't have those thorough scans as I did. Um, but one of the things that my oncologist did for me straight away was the day that she diagnosed me, she let me know that she had scheduled me an appointment with my therapist. Like she had corresponded with her oh, that wow. morning oh, wow. before seeing me. And I was Talk so grateful. That didn't happen for me. Me either. Yeah. And that's yeah. something that was a, a lot deal. of doctors need to do. Yeah, yeah absolutely. I did because have there the is a having my doctors talk to each other. My plastic That's surgeon, my surgeon, all those talk to each other. But no. yeah, because yeah. they're a team. But I think sometimes, especially medical professionals, can get so focused on like the physical and just keeping mm-hmm. that body alive that they forget about like the mental and emotional impact. Like you're telling someone yeah. a life changing diagnosis, and you. Yes. Don't just send them home yeah. and assume they have the support to cope with it. You know, you know, it's funny you bring that up. It meant like you were saying something as far as like with our physical and what we had to go through and how it affects our mental. I don't know if this happened to any of y'all, but it really um, there was something as far as mentally that messed me up because I had to keep showing my breasts to people. And it wasn't like we were having conversation or anything like they would just go straight in and it started to literally like traumatize me mm-hmm. because it was just like that's all you're looking at it's kind of like you didn't even take me on a date they're groping you as you're yes. talking to you about yeah. your breasts and they're only looking at that with no eye contact and you're yes. just like oh my god this is not even my husband Right. I remember one time the doctor was doing things and my husband was right there and I was like, so you're just going to let this happen. 
Just touch on me. You gonna let them touch on me without even your oh you have you give them consent. Well, I guess I need to start having consent over here for me. I was like, you get a free show. Like, no, baby. And I, I was like, my husband had to work hard to get this, and you easily. I just opened up the the top. I don't know why that mentally did something for me. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, I, it's I understand how well. you feel with me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, and now I that I don't have too. any at all, mm-hmm. it's like, oh, let me just see your scar, and I'm like, mm-hmm. okay. I'm and I'm like really self conscious right now. Like mm-hmm. me not really? having me having amputee. I had my breast amputated. That's what I yeah. tell everyone. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I didn't have a reduction. I had an amputation. A whole body part is missing from my exactly. Body. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, did I make the wrong decision? Should I still, should I go ahead and get the surgery to get it done? And everyone's just like, you're fine. I'm like, no, you don't understand. I I just had a scare again. And I, you know, I had the, I had a double mastectomy with the deep flap. And for those that are on it, don't know what that means. It means I have my stomach in my, in my, in my quote unquote breast now. And I literally thought because I had a double mastectomy and they removed all the breast tissue, I have no nipples, like all that, right? I thought that I would never have to go back in and get anything checked. And just last month, I had to go to um, get a biopsy because they found a lump. And when I tell you, um, one of the baddies that's on here, uh, Miranda Gonzalez, shout out to her. um, She had to mentally get me stable. Cause I was mad. I said, I don't understand it. How am I going to go through a double mastectomy? And they're over here talking about, they see a lump or feel a lump and they have to do that. I said, I should have been flat. I should have been flat. I should have been with my flat sisters because it's like, you think you did something to make it better to where I didn't get implants or whatever. Right. And I have just my stomach there and it's all quote unquote natural. And you still have to prick and poke at me. Mm-hmm. And it's very traumatic when you've already gone through the journey. So even if they're checking it, it's still the trauma of going through a biopsy and going through that and afterwards them saying, you got cancer. I told her, I said, look, I don't have no fight this time. I don't want to do it. I'd rather take myself out the game. I don't want to do it. It was really hard. And she and she really calmed me down because she said, well, when this happens, you know, the tissue hardens inside sometimes. And so it can make it like it's a lump, but they just have to check it. Thank God they did the biopsy. It came benign. It better been benign because I was not going to play. But I had to get back like on taking my chemo, you know, and I don't like tamoxifen. I don't like her. I don't like her. She yeah, can, yeah. she can go with somebody else. I don't like her, and so yeah, you know yeah. when we have the chemo brain and all that yeah, stuff that yeah. affects our day to day. Yeah, yeah. and I, I'm sorry if nobody's ever had chemo brain. Like I wouldn't it's want that horrible. on my worst enemy. Nothing like it. I had it so bad after my first chemo session um, that I can I couldn't even form my words. 
and it made me so frustrated. And I was like, I think yes. I understand like how elderly people feel when they're unable mm-hmm. to formulate their their sentences. Yes. I was my mom and my sister was like, "What are you saying?" I was like, "I'm talking to you guys, and you guys to understand me." Like right. I wanted to cry. Like I was like, "This can't be real." Like I've done, I've dealt with pregnancy brain, and, and that's, a, that's the only thing brain. I can right related to, to other people. It's worse. It See, I, never, I never had a kid, so I don't know. It's worse. Yeah. Um, for me, I did not go through chemotherapy. Um, did you oh. guys do the oncotype score testing? I did not. Okay. I did genetic testing, and I did not have any um, so, genetic or anything related to it. Mine was strictly hormonal. Okay. Mine. Oh, um, I had the oncotype uh, test, which is to determine how um, how the cancer cell is, and you, you get a, a grade for it. So mm. uh, my grade was a 24, and um, that was the gray zone. So if you had anything above 24, then definitely get chemotherapy, because that is a higher likely that your cancer would have, come back, come back okay. have a reoccurrence. So I was mm. at that in the gray shade where, um, it didn't really make a difference if I had the chemotherapy. Uh, mm. My oncologist strongly suggested it, and um, I did my research. I even took a three-hour class on chemotherapy, what the process would be, what you would wow. go through that experience. And yeah. at the end of the day, I said, you know what? The I, I would be the one with every single fucking side effect. <laughs> okay. And then, and then we both on top of that, and... <laughs> I'm like, you know what? The side effects outweigh the benefit in my case. Yes. So yes. I said, I'm not Way to go, advocating. Way to That's advocate. That's yes. my chemo. Yes. Even though they told me to do it, I was like, no, I'm not doing mm-hmm. it. I'll do radiation. I, am so proud of you. I did radiation. Yes. Yes. And I'm on tamoxifen. So, yes. but sometimes I do doubt my decision. And then other days I'm like, okay, I'm glad I did it. Because when I listen to other women talk about their chemo, uh, experience i'm just like wow that is yeah, just was intense it, was it is rough, very wow. intense it was and traumatic it yeah. was. i'll use the word whitney said say traumatic because yes the whole experience is traumatic ultimately yeah. it feels like you lose ownership over your own body like the cancer right. is doing whatever it wants to you then you have to like consent to any and everyone professionals touching looking you. at touching your body, getting poked and prodded. And it really takes a mental toll. Like I mentioned, you know, being, as I call NBCers or log haulers, you know, mm. sometimes I have moments where I'm like, well, this is just my normal. Like it, it doesn't really get to me anymore. And then especially more recently, it's just been hitting me hard. Like I don't want to be doing this. I don't want to be poked and prodded. Um, People would think that, you know, coming up on three years, I'm very used to chemo, but every time I go right now, Mm -hmm. it is a very traumatizing experience. Inside, Mm -hmm. I'm like kicking and screaming, pushing myself to go through the doors of my cancer center. Um, Mm -hmm. The last few times I've gone, I have to gather myself in the bathroom before every treatment, I'm crying in the bathroom and telling myself to sit down and do it. I literally hate it. And I'm just like, I can't believe this is real life. 
Yeah. Oh, it really kids, is a traumatic experience. It really, it really is. is. Like, I, my children got to the point where they would be like, are you crying, mommy? Are you okay? Because I will literally be crying all the time because I'm like, I don't understand. Like, I'm trying to get through this day, but I literally have no energy to do anything. I can't right. get out of my bed. It's days right. now that I can't get out of my bed. And they didn't tell you that even though you do go through the chemo and radiation and everything like that, my skin peeling off my body, my hair falling off, literally, I no hair every, anywhere. They don't tell you about the survivorship side of things. Yeah. How hard it is on you mentally, physically, yeah. like the physical aspect of everything. It's just, it's a lot. It's a lot. Mm-hmm. And I, I mean, it feels, I commend it feels good all of you women. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yes. Absolutely. Community is so important. And I'll say, community is what keeps me and my kids afloat. Yeah. Um, I'm a strong advocate for therapy for everyone. <laughs> yes. I have Same an amazing here. therapist. Same yeah, I have an yes. incredible therapist who knew me, me before too. cancer. So I stuck with her because That's I felt amazing. like she already knew me as a person when it was offered yeah. for me to get linked up with like an oncology therapist. My children have their own therapist and it's been uh, phenomenal for us, you know, because I'm I'm just trying to create a different culture that I grew up in. One where we don't just push forward. We're willing to pause and focus on, you know, the things that are bothering us instead of acting like we don't, ain't nobody got time for that, you know? Because you don't show up as your best self. And if you don't release your feelings, they're going to come out in other ways. You know, we see that even with these baby boomers, they do not have it together. Like they they, they, they don't. No, they don't. It's just hard for us. Yes. 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 Yeah. You and, and, and you you a baby boomer is nothing against you it's just those are the yes. people we have to deal with okay <laughs> yes. did you guys attitudes change at all because I know my family like my sister or, or my mom and my children was like you're, not, you're getting mean when mm, I was going I think that's chemo. maybe the anger coming out I'm not sure yeah yeah and I get oh. mad as hell sometimes that I'm like, why is this happening to me? Why do I have to deal with all the things of I don't deserve this? Right. <laughs> and yeah. I get really angry and frustrated. And Tan, you know, it, it's it, without cancer, it's hard being a parent. And it especially is. when you're dealing with, you know, we all experience it where we have a breaking point as a mom yeah. and then I become like yeah. weed mom where it's like, what do you want? You know, like, yeah, yeah. not the day. And I, unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. And I unfortunately have felt like I've almost been that mom. I've had to very actively, very intentionally yeah. fight to not let that mom out, you know, yes. as I yeah. go through cancer and just dealing with everything else that I'm dealing with. It has been so much. Yeah, yeah, it's hard. Um, you know, I didn't have any family support when I was diagnosed with my um, oh, breast wow. cancer. When I called my mom, this is a good example. When I called my mom to tell her, she said, sorry, I'm busy. I have a lot of work to do. I can't help you. But you know what? I wasn't surprised. Oh. 
I was oh, not surprised because that's that is that so was sad how, that you're not surprised either. because that was my upbringing, sad. you know. And yeah, for my I sister, can understand that, I can understand my, that. My my sister, yeah. you know, her response was kind of similar, but she was quiet. And you know, I wasn't upset. I mean, at first I was mad, but then I was like, you know what? This is how we were, we were yeah. brought up, and we weren't taught you can't to not have feelings. Yes, yeah, you have I to understand who the person is. Right. And, you know. You know. We didn't have, my parents never said, I love you. They never gave hugs. Um, you know, joke with my Asian friends were the more they yelled at you or hit you, it was the sign of love because they want, you want better for you. Wow. So, but, but it's not healthy. And I see it in my yeah. mom now who's, you know, close to 80. It's not healthy. I see how it's really broken her down spiritually. Um, yeah. You know, and um, it it just it you know community is is so important uh, when it comes to that. And I you know I totally agree with therapy one hundred percent to be able to express that. Um, yeah. And then with my with my children, uh, my son. I have two sons. They were ten and five years old when I was diagnosed, and oh, my wow. husband, you know, was working a lot, so. He was the breadwinner of the family. And while I was going through this process, he's working. And I had my sons that helped me. Because um, when I had, for me, I had the single mastectomy. I, my tumor was in my left breast. And mm. um, I decided that the less invasive I felt better about. So I just had my breast tissue removed in my left breast. And I kept my right breast. And... Um, you know, right after your surgery, you have that bandage that's wrapped around you for what two weeks or so, and those mm -hmm. damn drainages. Oh, girl, talk about the drainages. <laughs> I hate those things. That was nasty. Uh, that was the nastiest thing I ever dealt with. Yeah, I mean, I had three, but I had some friends that I talked to that went through and had six after their mastectomy. They had six drains. I was like, damn. Mm. Three was enough. Six? Mm -hmm. I don't know how I would have handled yeah. that. I actually, yeah, it was six. Look, I'm over here having chemo brain. Yeah, it was six. Six, yeah, that's mm -hmm. that's rough. Um, especially when you're trying to take a shower. But, you know, when I took my shower, I had to have my 10-year-old son help me wrap the bandage back up for me. Wow. And, um, you know, so I had to be calm. I, you know, I talked to him. I, I kept it open with my, with my boys. I don't know if they'll be traumatized in therapy so i mean I, I you know i keep saying all right i'll just save the money and pay for their therapy if that happens but i mean i'm <laughs> very open with them about it um my husband yeah. was like hush we shouldn't talk about it in front of them i'm like no i'm talking about it in front of them because mm, they need to know what's good. going on very important and, that is very extremely important. important and more just breaking you know, generational, generational things mm -hmm. and yeah. changing it. I I was also very open and honest with my girls. That came so naturally for me. I couldn't have imagined like handling it any other way. Um, right. For me, me my girls were my girls were three to thirteen at the time that I was diagnosed. Mm -hmm. um, Wow. Or actually four to 13. And I had always home educated them. And so I decided to take the same approach I did with like when I taught them about sex and things like that. I was like, I'm going to be 
completely open and honest, but yeah. age appropriate, you know. Right. And I also right. needed to, I also wanted to take into account just my children's different personalities because we all know our kids and we know what they can handle. Mm-hmm. But I feel the same way about it as when you take away from an adult when you're like, well, I just don't think they can handle that. So I'm not going to share with them. You know, yeah. when it's like right. everyone can handle things. It's just, it's you just have to come at it. Yes, the approach mm-hmm. has to be appropriate for that person. And Agreed. you need to make sure that you offer them support. So I knew, you know, and I did tell my girl, it was not just a one-time sit down with all of them. It was a, you know, conversation that I had individually with each of them so that they would have okay. that space to feel their feelings and ask any questions that they might have had. And I think that made a huge difference and continues to make a huge difference that it's just an ongoing open conversation. And I also wanted them to have all the details, you know, we all people of color. I don't know any who like had somebody die in their family growing up and it was hush hush what they died from. Yes. But you knew they were, you knew they were yes. sick, you know, um, yes. and, and, and that's kind of pointless because kids catch on to things. And if you don't, but these kids like nowadays, they them, different. They, they are, they are smart. You know? yeah. They're, very, They're smart. very smart. But I think kids have always yeah. been so smart. But if you don't share the truth with them, they they make up even scarier things, you know. Agreed. Or they yeah. wonder, you know, what's going on or what could happen to them. And we all know that it, it benefits us to know our family health history. Right. Yeah, and so I don't I didn't want to withhold that from my daughters. I definitely I wanted so to good. create a legacy yeah. of knowledge, you know. Oh, I yeah. want them yeah. to know definitely. what I'm going through, what kind mm-hmm. of cancer did mom have, all of that. You know. Right. Yeah. And I did the same thing with my twins. Even even though they were four, I definitely let them know I was like, Okay, mommy has cancer. And they're like, where? What's cancer? So I had to break down mm-hmm. cancer. I had to break down that it was in my right breast. But you can see mine. Like, it was like a, a mountain on my breast. Mm-hmm. Oh. And um, so they were like, okay, is that the cancer? I'm like, you can touch it. Touch the cancer. That's the oh, cancer. Wow. It's a tumor. And then, like, when I decided that, when they told me that I had to get a just one breast removed, which was my right breast, they said I didn't have to get a double. But I decided it. On it immediately when they told me, I said, I don't want the other one because I don't want to go through the traumatic Mm -hmm. experience of me having to go go through every month to go get the the mammogram or all those months. I don't want to do that. So let's just get rid of it. Both of them. I'm I'm done. So we did. I get. I went on YouTube and I showed them a video of what a mastectomy looked like. Mm. And my son was like, he's he's such. A boy mom. He's just uh, my mama's boy. So he was like all into it. All into it. Like, okay, is this really how it's going to happen? And my daughter's like, oh, okay. I feel sorry mm-hmm. for you, mommy. I'm going to rub your, uh, your back, but I'm going to leave out of this situation. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But my son, he's still like in it. Like, he's like, mommy, does, does anything hurt? And like, he still asks questions about everything. So I'm like, I really want to educate them about things. Yeah. yeah. The yeah. fact that it actually ran in my family. Like, my aunt on my mom's side and then my grandmother oh, wow. on my dad's side had oh, it. Wow. And my grandmother passed away from it. My aunt was actually stage zero. It was just up near her collarbone when she found out. That she wow. had. So wow. it was like, ugh, 
yeah, we kind of do need to educate you because yes. it's something yeah. that runs in our side, runs on both sides. So you definitely need to pay attention to this. And it's very yeah. important. Like I try to educate mm-hmm. as many people as I can about mm-hmm. what's going on yeah. with us. I, so. I agree to that. I mean, my I didn't I don't have any children, but um one thing that going through breast cancer, I didn't know that this would affect me, but um you know, I'm a suicide survivor. And so, and I know I talk about it a lot because I'm, I, I, it's important. It's a part of a foundation of who I am. And um, I don't know if y'all dealt with this. Um, it, any, anybody else on here, suicide survivor? Shamron? Sh- you? Yeah. Okay. Okay. Me too. And so one thing that happened to me, I don't know if this happened to you, but, you know, they'd be popping those, um, what are the pills that they give us for pain relievers? What Percocet? Oxy or Percocet? Yeah. Oxycodone? Yeah, I call them the Skittles. I like how we all know these. <laughs> yeah, right. They prescribe, it, they prescribe it like it's Skittles, right? For your yeah. pain, right? Yeah. And so being a person that went through being suicidal, you think, okay, these doctors are prescribing me stuff to help me. But I'm telling y'all, I was on one of those, okay? And I'm sitting on the toilet and literally on the toilet, I literally hear a voice in my head that says, you could just kill yourself. Oh, wow. You, you, you could just kill yourself. And I remember screaming at the top of my lungs, telling my mom and my husband, I'm like, y'all need to get me off these pills because whatever they're doing, it's not, it's not affecting my mental health very well. My mom is also a mental health advocate and she does a lot within the mental health community too. So it was just, it, it, that was, it was like my inner (laughs) crazy demons from being suicidal were coming back through a medicine and mentally messing me up. Mm -hmm. And so I know this might sound really crazy, but the medicine that I ended up having to do through my all my surgeries and all that, I could not be on those medicines. I had to be on a Cena Medifin, but the Costco brand is the Costco brand. And I had to take the night ones at night. And sometimes I would try to have just as like, just make me go to sleep or whatever with the pain and stuff. But I could not be on that medicine because literally it was making me think of crazy things to do to like go like, kill myself like I know that sounds really crazy but mentally just I say that from a standpoint just because your doctors give you this medicine doesn't mean that you have to take it because it can mentally mess with you too yes you know what I'm in pain management and because of the bone aches and the um, joint pain and the muscles all of that they gave me a fentanyl patch just a few weeks ago and okay. I actually tried the patch. Just I was already afraid mm-hmm. to try it, but I tried it, and I was literally like, "No." What did it do? I was vomiting for days. Uh, I was high out of my mind, and oh, I was no. like, "I." That's the hard no, pass. I took, yes. I took yes. that off, and I was like, instantly, I was like, I was coming down from the high. And I'm just oh, like, like, I try to explain to people, it's like we like crackheads. 
Yes. And we trying to draw up, you know what I'm saying? Like, yes. you know, it's just like, like exactly. coming off of a medicine. People don't understand that. And I, I no. try so much with awareness. I really do. But it's like, you want to try? Yeah. You want to try free so? Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Yeah. And it's like they put you on so much medicine. It's like, I, you know, I was a pharmacy. Anybody else a pharmacy? Like, yes. Mm-hmm. I take like 10 pills a day. And it's ridiculous. I, I go in my, my cabinet and I'm literally like, well, what pill is this? What pill is that? I have so much hydrocodone to uh, tr- mm. trim it all. I have so mm. much. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Those those side effects can be can be much. And, um, yeah, as a suicide survivor, uh, the one thing that, that helped me through this process with uh, breast cancer was that um, – the tools that I built over the years because mm-hmm. I was diagnosed with depression uh, when I was 23 and that's when I survived by suicide as well. So all those years of therapy and medication um, really helped me get through breast cancer. Um, Did it mess with your hormones and stuff? Oh yeah. Mean- it, yeah. It messes tamoxifen. The first year I took tamoxifen, I felt like I was in darkness and like a blanket over my head. I was in a complete fog. I was like, yeah. am I going to be able to function? I mean, I Did they have to change your anxiety medicine too? Um, I didn't take anxiety. Me- I, yeah, I, they, I changed. I was on, um, damn, I can't think of it right now. It's, it's okay. Chemo brain's real. <laughs> well, I don't have chemo brain. I have radiation. radiation. <laughs> But, um, oh, now this is going to drive me nuts, but okay. (laughs) So, uh, the depression medication I was on, I had to switch over. So now I'm on Effexor because, Mm. um, because with tamoxifen, you have to be, you, you're, um, you would be prescribed Effexor because that's, uh, the one that doesn't. Um, what's the word I'm looking for? It doesn't change. Counter, counteract. Counteract. Yeah, yeah, yeah counteract. Right. It doesn't counteract that medicine. Right. Yeah. So, was it Prozac? Um, that I was on before? No, it was, starts with the letter Z. And Zola? I, I think I got it in the room. Was it Zola? Okay. Yeah, Zola. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. okay. I, yeah, I had to get off Zola immediately because <clears throat> the AIs were, were messed with that one. But my mm-hmm. fluoxetine I'm on now, they had to up my dosage, but they now said it causes high blood pressure. So I have to get a new medication. Oh, oh wow. Geez. I mean, <sighs> you know, and the tamoxifen, it, it increases your mm-hmm. 1% chance of getting uterus, uterine uh, cancer. Yes, I'm like, did I just remove my uterus? It's like, we all yes. die. That's how I feel. Whenever I hear them, I'm just, I'm going to die. Just tell me I'm going to die. There's nothing exactly. else we can do. Like, we're all going to die. Yeah. But, you know, with this diagnosis, you you're forced to think about it more often. Mm-hmm. And that, you right. know, that's another thing. I, I talk freely about death and how, you know, me I too. tell my kids, cremate me. It's a waste of time to bury me underground. Mm-hmm. You know, I think it's a money scheme with the churches that you have to pay this amount to be right. buried. Just free right. myself. Just cremate me. And go on vacation. Go go to Costa Rica. I like right. Costa Rica. Okay, they have coffee right. and and good beaches. Just dump my ashes there. 
Yes. You know, have was, a good time. I, I don't need a funeral. Too. Just have a good time. Go on vacation. <laughs> I was trying to tell my husband, I'm like, you can find you a good wife. Find you a real good wife that treats you good. Yeah, he was like, I don't want to talk about this. I don't care what you want to talk about. If this happens, I just want to let you know. Yeah. Get ready for real life. Yeah. We have to have the uncomfortable conversations when we have been diagnosed with with something like this. Yeah, I haven't Absolutely. had the conversation yet. And I'm like... Really? I'm dreading it. And I'm like, my best friend is like, I don't want to talk about it because she's my person. So she's the one I okay. talk to about everything. Right. Like, I don't want to think about that. And I'm like, well, the only thing is, is if anything ever happens to me, you're taking the twins. And that's right. it. Mm-hmm. But actually have that conversation, I have not. And I think me thinking about it gives me a little anxiety. Mm-hmm. Of course. Yeah. Of yeah. course. But I think it's good to remember and some a phrase that helped me that I think I heard from a hospice nurse that I follow on Instagram um, was that speaking about death does not make it happen, does not cause yeah, it. Happen. It doesn't give and up the power. Have, yeah, yeah, we have to remember that, oh, it's going to happen for literally everyone. So Agreed. we may as well normalize talking about it and preparing yes. for it. And yes. that was really helpful for me. And I actually feel like as much as there's a lot of anxiety around discussing it, there's a lot of <laughs> a lot of that anxiety gets buried when you plan things. Yeah. Um, something someone said to me when I was first diagnosed and I just felt like completely out of control. Someone said, when you get a plan, a treatment plan in place and you feel like you're fighting back, some of your anxiety is going to go away. And I found that to be really true. Mm-hmm. And I found having preparations in place for my death to actually be like the total opposite of anxiety inducing. It's That's like, okay, people already know what I want and all mm-hmm. of that. And it, and it's yep. just nice. <laughs> it's just like, lot. okay, I'm kind of, kind of chilling now. Whatever's going to happen is going to happen when it happens. But my family mm-hmm. won't have to like wonder and deal with things, you know, and I won't feel so anxious because, um, everyone already knows how I want things to be handled. But, um, I've healthy. definitely leaned into, I've leaned into the death positivity movement. Um, yeah. and I'd highly recommend that. I recommend it to literally any and everybody, but I recommend mm-hmm. it, especially to people who are like really anxious when it comes to like discussing death, because let's face it, that's another toll on the mental and emotional well-being in the, in the cancer community. You are watching, uh, someone in the NBC community described it as, being in a cage and there's a serial killer who just comes and like randomly picks one you like take out at any <laughs> moment and so you are watching wow. people around you die of yeah. cancer the disease that you are living with or lived with okay. that can come back anytime and right. that takes a mental toll like let's face it most people by age 36 are not seeing the amount of people die around them that I see on the regular. That's do y'all deal with like survivor's remorse well. because of it? Yes. I do yeah. I do deal with survivor's guilt. Yeah. 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 And I think that's really normal too. And again, it huge, huge mental and emotional toll. Yeah. Yeah. That's why advocacy is important to me to be able to talk it out and um, help others when when I can because it it is a lot and 
yeah. to, to advocate and talk about it. It helps me manage my own mental toll um, yes. as well, right? Yes, yeah. I agree. I swear, like, before I met you guys and before I like, met my community, because I have yes. a community, I... I'm still one of those people who I just will speak to my therapist about certain things, but like me being able to like talk about like my feelings of how I'm like flat because I have a flat community too. <laughs> hey, we all have to have our have it. Yes. Yeah. It's like it's totally different because I'm like the average person does not understand where I'm coming from mentally. They they just yes. don't. And yeah, then unless you experience I, it yourself. Exactly. Yeah. And then like I know like when I speak to my my mom about certain things. I'm like, but you don't get it. You right. Don't, mm-hmm. You don't get it. You may have you may have seen patients because she's a nurse. She's a right. A RN, but it's not the same. You have not. Yeah. Really I, does that them. bother you though, Tan? That when people try to uh, like my sister, um, she compared uh, her being pregnant to me going through breast cancer, and I was like. What? No, 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 yeah, and they're like, oh, okay, well, you're not going to be that bad. Well, they were doing this. They were able to work. I'm like, well, I literally have every side effect known to man. Mm-hmm. The list yeah. of the, the rare and the, and the common ones. So, and even in the breast cancer community, I just love the fact that it's communicated just because this happened to this person does yes. not mean it happens to the next. Cause, right, right. Because right. Yeah. like we can both go take tamoxifen but side effects for you are different than me. Like right. a lot of people exactly. say, Hey, I lost some of my hair. Some people, I didn't, you know, mm-hmm. um, you know, some people say, Hey, I keloid with some of my scars, you know, yeah. and some will say, Oh, I didn't, you know, it's a lot of differences. We're supposed to be in a community to help each other. But if anybody don't get nothing from this, this, this uh, podcast, I really want to be known. Please do not sit there and say you understand when somebody has gone through breast cancer. If you personally have not gone through it, yes, you can, yeah. yes, you can yeah. empathize yeah. and sympathize yeah. with us, but you cannot sit here and say, "Oh, I understand," because you don't. No. 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 So educate I, yourself. Yeah, I thought before I was diagnosed, I thought I understood from just just reading and learning about it. Mm-mm. But then when I was diagnosed, I'm like. What the hell was I thinking? I really yeah know. right. You want to go apologize? <laughs> yeah, right. like, apology tour because right. I, was like, I was like, what no. was I thinking? No, I really don't yeah. know. Yeah. So mm-hmm. it, I mean, it's it's something different when we go through it. Yeah. Yeah, it's a whole fucked up situation. I just agree. Yeah. Whew. And yeah. it's crazy because I even you know, Delta. I know your mistakes, right? And so I even am like mine is not even as worse as what you're going through. So I don't, I, I try not to even say, well, oh, it's so hard because you going through it. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I had to even watch myself and I'd be like, Whitney, shut up. Shut up. Exactly. Because you don't have this diagnosis, you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I know yeah. two people 
Well, I know one, <laughs> I went to school with two two women who have now been diagnosed with um with it too. But one like one lady, she was she was diagnosed before me. So I went to her about everything. We were the same stage, but we had totally different like treatment plans and everything yeah, like that. that but then the other lady, she came after me and she immediately was stage four as well. Wow. And then the lady who was diagnosed before me, she's now stage four. So she had a recurrence mm-hmm. on everything. And it's just like when she had the diagnosis happen, it was like, I don't know how to make you feel any better because I, I, I'm I not metastatic. So I don't really know. Mm-hmm. I yeah. just, I know how I feel. I feel right. overwhelmed for you because it's a lot. Yes. And I, think, still I, think people, I think, you know, if people were on here listening and saying, well, how do I show up for somebody? Ask them. Yes. How can yes. I show up for you in this? Yes. How can I show up for you in the season? It may yes. be, I would ask, can y'all give me uh, grocery gift cards? I don't want y'all food because y'all, y'all food is nasty. But it can't be <laughs> Okay. Thank you, everybody. Okay. Okay. Listen, blunt about it. So, yes. I, I don't yes. want your food. So, give me food. <laughs> and then when you're in chemo, too, you, your taste buds change. And my taste yes. buds change. It does. Thank you, Tan. So, yeah. I, give me that. Uh, like, people were sending me flowers. I don't need flowers. Help pay it, pay bill. yes. bills. Bills. Yeah. Yes. 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 Flowers is for funerals. That's Thank how I do. <laughs> The financial struggles that you deal with when you are going through treatment and even after treatment, it is so important that we need to talk about that. It, it takes so much toll on you mentally. It's like, that's something that you definitely need help with. You're in a war to fight yes. for your life, but guess what? Real life does not pause. It doesn't. Like, I'm, I'm it does in the war zone. I'm working yes. through it, but I still have to get this stuff done that's over here. And mm-hmm. if you do have a spouse, you're like, Thanks for holding on. Please, uh, yeah. don't leave me. You know. Yeah. And I did all that by myself, so it was like, huh. That's all. Thankfully, you. I have my mom. Mm-hmm. And my mom, she may be in another state, but she still like helps me. So that's it's good. Like, good. I'm glad I have that. I didn't have the luxury of having a spouse, but definitely I wish you I have a spouse friends. and they don't be the one to support you there yeah. <laughs> I, was, I was about to say that I was about um, to say that yeah. I had a spouse and my mama and my mother-in-law was yeah. my people so I mean I'm, I just had to put that out there uh, yeah. don't want y'all thinking people that have spouses that they just mm-hmm. they be physically there but mentally not there because guess what yeah. it might be also let's, let's talk about the caregivers it might yes. be also for them they're not physically going through it, but they mentally going through it. Yeah. And for my husband, he was processing my wife's about to die. So he literally cut off. And the, what he would do is he would go to work. Mm-hmm. But it was hard for him to be in the moment to help. So I had to have reinforcement to come and help. I'm like, you good, dude? Like, what's up? <laughs> Yeah, that same thing with me, with my spouse. We we don't really talk about it. So, again, community is very important. And I'm so glad I found for the rest of us. um, That's when I actually got onto social media was 2019. And that's when the rest of us um, uh, started. And so, uh, thank God, I didn't even know I needed that sisterhood. Yeah. You know, where I live, I don't. 
I don't have the community I would love to have where right. I live locally. And so I found my community online and that's how I found the for the rest of us. And uh, I'm so thankful for it. That's and, good. Uh, yeah. And so with my, with my husband, he's there and he's definitely supportive. But then when it comes to talking about it or I'm having a bad day, He's not the person to talk to about it. Yep. Yeah. So. Yep. It's like you're able to make sure everything's afloat with everything. And I don't knock that at all, that my husband was able to make sure everything was afloat. But it was very hard to see all these people bathing me, making sure I cook and all that. And it's just like, you here, but you're not here. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah. You know what? I didn't really know exactly like how it affected my family until like after everything because my cousin actually came down like so my mom helped me at the beginning of my chemo so when it was when I was in AC because I did ACT um I'm not sure what AC stand for because I don't know how to pronounce it (laughs) and I know T is Taxel so when I got to Taxel that's when my cousin came down and started helping me and she stayed with me until I was done with radiation so I didn't really know the amount of stress that it like put on my mom because she kind of like mentally checked out and I felt mm-hmm. like she wasn't there for me the way that I wanted her to be for me but yeah people don't know how to show up for you yeah you yeah some people exactly. don't exactly and yeah. then I lost a friend because he did not show up at all and yeah. I was some like people do that too. you're not supportive of yes, me and I need I you to be there that. you didn't even ask me like that hurt doesn't that hurt though it does um, yeah, people I will step like, back because they don't know how to respond. Exactly. They don't know what to say, and they don't, and they're so uncomfortable with that. It's like what Whitney said. Just one, the best advice I would say if someone's listening and someone in your life was diagnosed, one, just ask what they yes. need. You mm-hmm. can be totally honest and say this sucks, and I don't know what to say because that's the yeah. truth of the matter. Yeah, and. And just, yeah, ask how yeah. you can support them and just be there. Don't run yeah. away. Don't shy away. And Do also not. learn how to shut your mouth and not pretend that you understand. <laughs> like, yeah. you know, yeah. you do not, uh, yes, you do not have to try and make a It's very natural. As humans, we want to try and relate. And we, yes, right. we do. But, but you do not always have to try and relate because some things are just not comparable at all. No. So what is a statement they could say when they're listening to you? Not saying I understand, but what's another statement they could say? I don't know what to say. What, exactly. How can I help you? Mm, that's good. For me, it's I hear you. You know, mm. or I, I'm here. You know, this really sucks, but I'm here. Mm. You know, yeah, so things that people have said to me. One of the most helpful things right after I was diagnosed, a friend of mine, we went out, she just invited me to get out of the house. And it was kind of awkward because, like, hello, mm-hmm. I just got a cancer diagnosis, so we're saying nothing. And she stopped, we were we were thrifting, and she just paused and she looked at me and she was like, Do you want to talk about the cancer diagnosis or do you want to talk about literally anything else? Because she wanted to get a feel of like, where oh, was I? She wanted to right. acknowledge it. Right. So that was extremely freeing and one of the most supportive experiences that I had because it made me feel like 
it cleared the air first of all yeah. and it was like if i if i do want to like talk about this right now because i'm having a hard time focusing and just acting like oh yeah we're just shopping you know then i could but if i right. wanted to just escape she was willing to be that as well and that's what you really that's have a good friend yeah 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 that is a show good up problem. for people the way they want to be showed up for yes yes a hundred percent so so for for you guys, um, the question I have is, how do you like? I feel that through my breast cancer diagnosis, I was able to find purpose, and through advocating, um, I know Whitney. Um, if you want to talk about the services that you provide, because oh, yeah. you, because oh, yeah. um, I got to listen to one of your Instagram lives with with Miranda, and it was yes. it was very insightful, and it was mm-hmm. great to to listen. Yes. So being that I am also um, a mental health advocate, um, a breast cancer advocate, uh, suicide survivor, all this kind of stuff, I utilize as far as turning my traumas into triumphs. So um, my company is called Whitney Ray Hill. If you want to follow me, you can follow me at Whitney Ray Hill. And um, what I do is help people in three different lanes um, as far as within the mental health community, within the breast cancer pre and post um, breast cancer, and um, as far as entrepreneurs. Okay. Why, why all three of these? Because these are all things that I dealt with as traumas and I was able to turn into triumphs. Do I not still deal with traumas with these things? Yes, I do. Cause I'm, every day <laughs> working on it but from that i was able to build something on my instagram platform called crown chats where i bring on guests from um being for, within the breast cancer community mental health community and entrepreneurs and we talk about the intimate conversation and the reason why i called it crown chats is because it's working on your internal crown i care about mental health so much so to even be on this platform to talk about mental health and breast cancer, it's like, oh my gosh. Um, from that, I developed uh, doing crown chats. I also do one-on-one services, again, where I help people pre and post breast cancer from a person themselves that have gone through it and be able to, one, help them get through a signature process that I created. And it's called The Great Perspective. And that's whenever I help them get their goals, release their scars, evolve uh, their mindset, arrange their dailies and transform their perspective. And from this signature process, this is something that I actually use to help me get over the hill. And um, yes, that's why it's Winnie Ray Hill, but (laughs) help them get over the hill as far as within their uh, transforming their perspective within their mind, having a growth mindset, because Um, I don't know about y'all, like after even going through breast cancer, I was like, what do I do next? Like, oh my gosh, like it was so long of having to deal with, like everything was breast cancer, like breast cancer, just my every day was breast cancer, healing and surgery and healing and surgery. And so I know that process. I remember feeling that. That's why I even still teared up in this thing because I want to, Yes, it's great to have therapists, but if you have a coach that is able to truly understand what you are going through, like not say, oh yeah, and like, 
I can say I understand because mm-hmm. I went through it. Mm-hmm. And so coming from um, that perspective, I help I help um, my clients with that. I also do group sessions where I go out to different places and have um, motivational speaking moments, but also help them with their perspective. And then I do collaborations like this. And I come on to shows and just be an advocate for all my communities and just help people. Um, because I just, I'm a big believer in, you don't go through something to hold on onto it. You go through something to go through it and help others. And, you know, my biggest saying um, is you are seen, you are heard, you are loved. And through it all, you are perfectly imperfect. And the reason why this is so important to me is because I want people to know that they're seen whenever I have had an encounter with them. I want them to know that they are heard. And I want them to know, despite however you're feeling, you are loved because I understand, I can relate to you. But when I say you are perfectly imperfect, I have so many scars and so many internal scars that you don't even see, but guess what? That makes me perfectly who I am right now. And because of it, I'm able to help people through that process. And so, yeah, that's what I do. This is my, I tell people, this is my God-given mission. You know, if I get paid for it, that, that, thank God. If I don't, it's, it's, I know I can go to sleep. I tell people all the time I got to uh, relive three times. Like I get a new chair. I'm like a, a cat that has like nine wives because suicide didn't take me out and, and breast cancer ain't take me out. So I guess I get all these different lives. And every time I get a new life, I say, how am I going to do better than the previous life? And so this is me walking in that path. And I'm telling y'all, I'd be like, God up to something. He up to something, something. (laughs) He up to something, something. So yeah, um, follow me at Whitney Ray Hill, um, W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-R-A-E-H-I-L-L. And um, if you want to book a free chat, say you're a person that you say, hey, I can't do therapy. You know, I don't feel comfortable with it. Book a free chat with me. Let's have a one-on-one and let me see how I can help you get over the hill. If you don't feel comfortable with that, tune in to my IG live where we talk about breast cancer and mental health. And um, it's the raw deal. <laughs> it's the raw deal. And it's, I think we all need that though. I think right. we all need it's just like talk about sometimes, you know, I remember one day I told my um, oncologist, I said, today I just want to have a cuss session. She said, okay, what would you like to say? I said, fuck shit, fuck shit, fuck, fuck. Okay. That's how I feel. <laughs> and I understand that. I understand yeah. that. So yeah. that's my little tag. <laughs> Yeah, that's what I say. I said cursing is one of the side effects with breast cancer. That's one thing. Yes. I, you know, before I'm I was a like, Christian. oh no, don't curse. It's bad. Now I'm like, I don't care if you. Okay. Want to I even do that with my kids. I'm like, okay, if you need to curse, that's fine. Just only at home, okay? Just at home. <laughs> <laughs> at home like, we don't get people looking at us. I'd be like, oh, I'm the same. I'm the same way. Breaking really? the generational curse of curse yes. words. Yes. <laughs> I am not going to lie. I'm literally like, when my kids get to a certain age, I'm not going to be like, oh, you can't curse. No, you can curse. Like, what? Yeah. yeah. Sometimes yeah. it's how you feel. Yes. Yeah, yes. Exactly. It's, right? part of the, 
freedom of expression. Agreed. So, Man, yeah, I wish I had y'all as parents. That's what we <laughs> vocabulary we, we learn, right? We're breaking those generational curses again. Like, Agreed. Yes, exactly. Agreed. Exactly. Agreed. That's what we're doing. And um, I love it. And I yes. love that we have uh, Brittany here that came on and, and talked with us. Um, yes. I love that we have Tan, our new ambassador. Welcome. Yes. And Deltra. Um so what are some, so Whitney gave a lot of great tips there. Uh, I don't know if I could even follow up with that. <laughs> so, um, but uh, how about you, Tan and Deltra? What are, um, you know, what is one thing you want to make sure our listeners know or uh, with mental health, with your breast cancer journey? Um, is there uh, what? What's that one thing? Yes. <laughs> but you got to leave with them. Yes. I would say that you do not have to be strong, despite Ooh, how, in, how ingrained it is. I recently had to give a speech at a fundraiser, and the organization was called Infinite Strength, and it's an amazing organization that supports single mothers with metastatic breast cancer. Um, And so I really, you know, played on the words of strength and strong. And I just thought about how can't, you know, I, I said um, that my name is Deltra, but I've been called strong so often that it feels like a nickname instead of an adjective. Mm. And it wasn't a nickname that I acquired because of cancer. It started early. It started with, you know, oh, you're strong because you're a black woman. Oh, you're strong because you're a mama, you Mm. know? And then eventually now I'm strong just for existing with cancer. Mm. Um, And it's, you know, don't get me wrong. I am certainly um, aware that I have a strength about me. I realize, and I say it all the time, wow. Like I could just take one thing off of the list of shitty things that are happening to me. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, a cancer diagnosis that was stage four right out the gate. Um, Having to grieve my marriage. um, Having my whole life flipped upside down and financial struggles and just all of that. Um, I could just take one of those things and it would have completely broken somebody else. Yeah. completely took them out of this life. I yeah. think about the things that people have decided to, you know, unalive themselves over. And right. here I am, like, just feeling the weight of mm. all of these things on me. And sometimes it really feels like it's going to crush me. Um, but I release myself from this idea that I have to be strong. And I really you know, challenge others to do that, to lead on and into community. And if you don't have that right around you in person, like, thank God that we live in these times where we have so much access to other people. Thank you. You know, and so it's so important to find that, make connections and lead on others because that's how you find your footing. And that's how you really build up strength. It's not by having to automatically just be forced to be strong. It's by yeah. getting to kind of work that up 
slowly, you know, until yeah. you're at a place where you're good and you can handle whatever, but it's okay to not be strong. I'm going to say as a mom, it's a hundred percent. Okay. For you to not put on a strong face for your kids. Mm-hmm. I will even say that that, um, is not as helpful as we are led to believe because one thing about me and that I certainly think about a lot as a mom living with a metastatic diagnosis is that, you know, I am 36 and I've had my mother all my life and I still feel a lot of times like I don't really know her, Mm. you know, like who is my mother outside of being my mother? She once had a childhood. She once had a whole young adulthood and everything. And I really want my children to know me as an individual. And part of that starts with me being willing to be open and honest and to let them see me struggle. One thing that I really tried to do throughout this diagnosis, and it's just come kind of easily when I took off that cape that others Mm. put on me that I did not dress myself with. But, you know, it's just letting my kids know that our home is a total safe space for all of our emotions. And we are all going through this huge grief together. We're all grieving my diagnosis. We're all grieving our family falling apart. And I just, they see me, I swear. I, I have like multiple days in a row where I am like, I'm just a weepy mess. <laughs> I yeah. might get things. That, there's a great t-shirt that I saw recently that said, I may cry, but I'll still get things done. And that is, I know that's, right. oh, that's absolutely true. Days, there are times where I have been like standing at a stove, cooking something and like tears are coming out, coming down. Yeah. And, and my children have seen that. And I always say to people, don't try to hide your diagnosis from them. Don't try and hide no. how you're feeling about your diagnosis from them. That's good. Because you're human. It is totally yeah. normal to feel angry, sad, all of that. Agreed. And when we express it and let our kids see that and see us being, you know, quote unquote. You're human. Then you're, yeah, yes. you're letting them see you're human. They're letting them know it's okay for them to feel those things as well. And you're giving them an opportunity to step up and show compassion to yes. you. And, you yeah. know. It activates their empathy. That's good. So yeah. I think that's really, really, that's been important in my family. And I think that's definitely a message that I want other people to know. I love it. Mm-hmm. And it's that's definitely great. a message that I need to send to myself because <laughs> I'm oh. always still on the, oh, I'm still strong. So that's definitely something. It's where I'm still learning here. So yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, it's a learning process. It is. I think one word is just to be patient. I have to, Mm -hmm. I've learned to be patient with myself, with my emotions, with Mm -hmm. everything about what I'm dealing with. Now I'm learning to love myself again because me being an amputee, because that's what I'm calling Mm -hmm. myself. My my breasts were amputated, Mm -hmm. so I feel like I'm an amputee. Um, I'm learning to love myself with all my flaws now i have weight gain ridiculously weight ridiculous weight gain so i'm I'm learning to just push through be more patient with just my children with my doctors with myself because it's more mm. important for me to be more patient with myself right and me to start actually taking in everything in doses instead of just taking it all in at 
at once. Yeah. So I think that's something important. That's good. Okay, that is good. Those are all good um, uh, advice for our listeners. Um, so now I don't know if I can. <laughs> uh, love you have any words? You guys. Anything you want to leave with them? Right, the yeah. um, it's kind of hard. <laughs> yeah, I mean, because you guys, you know, covered it all pretty much. But I would like mm-hmm. to say that, um, you know, through my breast, through my um, experience with breast cancer, uh, running was my therapy that really helped mm. me because I focused on my breathing. Um, it was my alone time um, mm. to good. spend with myself um, and just know that my body is capable of movement and mm. learning to push myself. So I actually did my first marathon back in November. I did the I ran the New York City Marathon. Yeah, and, and I've done two marathons. Which, if it wasn't for my breast cancer diagnosis, I wouldn't have. I don't think I would have even tried. Um, wow. Because you know our bodies are amazing. So I've learned to love my body. They are. Yes. So that's yes. something I want to. You know, that's good for your for your mental health, um, exercising. Um, but don't look at exercising as you have to do it. Look at right. it as what I'm doing is to love my body, to mm-hmm. nourish yes. it, to keep it strong so yes. that I can do what? Do um, help others so I can take care of my children and be strong. Yeah. I shouldn't say be strong for them, but... Uh, <laughs> But physically, you know, be physically active yes. with them because especially with boys, you know, yeah. if you, you yeah, have to keep up with right. them. And if you leave them alone, they'll tear up the house. So <laughs> you, know, you gotta, gotta keep, up. Careful, keep up with them. Yes. Um, another thing, journaling. Journaling is a good. Yes. yes. That's a big, a big one for me. I put on my breast cancer Very book, important. my whole journal. Take pictures. Yeah. Take pictures Lots all the time. Um, mm-hmm. you know, documenting your, yourself or with your children, just, just experiencing and being in the present moment. Um, yeah. with, uh, for me also art, I like, I like to draw, I have a oh. bachelor of fine arts degree. Um, oh, yeah. I did graphic yeah. design for many years. And then once I had children, I just focused on them, but drawing has also been, is, is a wonderful mental tool as well. That's good. Um, yeah. And and community. So Yeah, absolutely. Community is huge. And you know what? I'm not a crafty or artsy person, but I found that being creative really helped me. And I'll plug this organization really quick. Uh they used to be called Lacuna Loft, but now they go by the Cactus Cancer Society. And mm. it was really one of my first communities shortly after diagnosis, I learned of them and they offer these virtual programs. They will send you for free a whole box of all the supplies you need for whatever yeah. like craft they're doing for that month. They oh. offer uh, yoga classes, yeah. um, writing classes, which helped me get back into writing, which was something I had really lost touch with for a long time. Um but that was something that really helped me cope when I was newly diagnosed and still does say um, it's good. a really great yeah. organization. I'm going to have to look into that. I know I'm yes. like, I've been big in 
getting into makeup. So I'm oh, like, that's been right. making me feel mm-hmm. a lot better because I'm like, oh, I'm learning how to perfect this craft and then I can get mm-hmm. really creative with like eyeshadows and things mm-hmm. like that. That's so I, the art important. Yes, that is definitely something that does like calm me. Yeah, that's really good. Yeah, and for anyone who's not good at makeup, <laughs> myself. Yeah, me too. I'm not either. I'm sure that every. I'm sure everyone has heard of it, but the Look Good, Feel Good program. Because mm-hmm. oh, yeah. I, I, I think well, I there's some correlation between our, you know, like your mental health, and you can get like a boost when you look good. When yeah. you, you know. When you get yourself, when you have the energy and pull yourself together, Agreed. it's helpful. Mm-hmm. But yeah, look good, feel good is a is another really great program. And they're kind of all they're all over. They do classes. They come to cancer centers, and it's totally free. And you get like a whole goodie bag, perfectly matched to your skin tone and everything, with wow. like hundreds of dollars worth of products from like Sephora yeah. and all these great oh. companies. And they wow. have instructors. Yeah, they have instructors who are there at the class and they show you how to draw on eyebrows, how to do all these different, like, listen, they hooked me up. I was so proud of myself when I left out of there and I was like, I did my own makeup. Yeah, they also teach you how to like wrap, tie head wraps and all of that. Nobody's got your hair on the because I like it. I like that too. (laughs) I just, I'll be wanting to do that. I'm going to do all that. Yeah. Not good with the head wraps. I could talk forever with you guys. I know. <laughs> I, I Yeah, I know. I'm feeling it too. But uh, but we're gonna have to wrap it up. Yes. yes. But yeah. this was amazing, and I'm so glad to get to know each one of you better. Yes. And, uh, yes. This is this was wonderful. Yes. Um, so, so, ladies. Wa- Oh, do you do you want me to go ahead and so okay. <laughs> <All right. laughs> my chemo brain is play, yeah. at play here. Um, so, <laughs> ladies, this has been an eye-opening conversation, don't you agree? Yes. yes. We know sure. yes. And we could have talked a, so much longer. <laughs> yes. We know this topic can be hard for some to discuss. So thank you for allowing yourself to be open and honest, not only with us, but with our listeners. So tell us, how can we connect with you? And Whitney, I know that you already kind of shared, but you can go ahead and just drop your um, IG again. Okay, my (laughs) IG is at Whitney Ray Hill. So W-H-I-T-N-E-Y-R-A-E and then Hill. You can follow me on all platforms uh, at Whitney Ray Hill. And if you want to book a free chat, www.WhitneyRayHill.com. Thank you. And how about you, Tan? How can we get in touch? I'm on IG under Tangie, T-A-N-G-I-E underscore E. May change it, though. Um, I'm on TikTok <laughs> under Tan Michelle on Facebook on Tan, as Tan Michelle as well. And that's M-I-C-H-E-L-L-E. Perfect. And Miss Shang Rong. You can can find me on Instagram. My IG handle is shangrongs.vibes. So shangrongs, S-H-A-N-G-R-O-N-G-S, period, vibes, B-I-B-E-S. 
Love it. Love it. And as for me, you can find me at Deltra on, on Instagram, <laughs> Deltra, which is D E L T R A underscore does underscore it. Because I like say I'm doing all the things while living with cancer. <laughs> mm-hmm. So I, already, I, I started following all of y'all already. Yeah. <laughs> good job. Good job. Everyone follow everyone. Follow. Yeah. Train. <laughs> so yes. we want to thank our listeners for tuning in and make sure you like share and subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. This is another Batty creation brought to you by For the Rest of Us. Don't forget to subscribe to Batty to Batty wherever you get your podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at For the Rest of Us, on Twitter at The Breast of Us, and check us out online at breastofus.com. Thanks for listening.